The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Justin Lemmy. I'm Sean DeWeird. And we are the show that talks about computers, technology, and the internet. Now, if you happen to notice, it's just us. Just you and me. It's just me and you. Now, if you listen to last week's show, Andy, uh, well, see, Andy lost his tech cred or tech card, if you will, for a week. He was having some trouble recalling some very basic technology terms. So we basically took away his, his tech card for the week. So now it is the Justin and Sean show. How are you doing, Sean? Good, good. I got back. The holiday weekend was spent camping with limited cell service. So that was awesome. Oh my gosh. I know, right? That's a great. When you can actually get away for a little bit and you just, you don't have to worry about the troubles of the world and getting text messages and things like that. It's just, it's nice to be able to get out. Uh, our friends of ours, they're good friends of ours. They recently just purchased uh, one, I think it was one and a half acres of land near Fair Play, Colorado. Now, you probably don't know what Fair Play is, but Fair Play is actually really well known if you watch the show South Park. South Park is based off of Fair Play. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So South Park, yeah, is based because I think I can't remember which one it was. One of the two guys was actually born in Fair Play, raised in Fair Play, Colorado. It is the South Park town. If you actually drive through Fair Play, there are cardboard or probably wooden cutouts of the characters along the streets. It's actually pretty cool. Anyway, our friends, they bought a, a, a swap of land out there, uh, out in Fair Play. And it's nice because there's no cell service. They go out there, they just set up their camper. They've got an acre and a half to themselves. So yeah, we're going to go out and join them. But yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to get out and just get away from things for a while. Yeah, it, we had, we arrived really late uh, just because of some circumstances and Caitlin was in a wedding this past weekend and some of those okay. stuff. So we arrived to the state park at 2 a.m. Oh my gosh. And there was so, somebody there to let you in? Well, they don't, if the state parks are always technically open. Well, I mean, I mean, open, but don't you have to like check in at like a ranger station or something? We registered, pre-registered, so they knew we were coming late. Oh, okay. But we were those people who showed up and backing up a creaky camper in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh. We were those guys, but. Did you you get any trouble from the people the next morning? No. So we went with another couple friend of ours who had the site right behind where we were and they didn't even hear us. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess that works. It's so like your creaky camper isn't as creaky as you thought it was. Well, at 2 a.m., you think it's the creakiest thing out yeah. there. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, I'm glad you're back, and I hope you had a great 4th of July. We had a pretty decent 4th of July as well. We, um, we just kind of hung out. Um, we, we had some, uh, a, little, a little alleyway neighborhood party. We, we uh, got all the kids together from our neighbors and let the kids, you know, do like a uh, – poppers and sparklers and things like that you know nothing that makes a bunch of noise but i have to say the neighborhood that surrounds ours is very well known for launching a huge fireworks display and it's not just like one house i mean like this is the entire neighborhood and i'm sure this has gone on far longer than any one of us in our neighborhood has lived here and initially, you know, people were upset, you know, people are still upset, but the people that have lived here in this neighborhood for, for many years now, uh, where I live in Denver, they kind of grown to accept it. Like they just know, like from, from, from June 25th 
through July 20th, it's pretty much fireworks every single night. But on July 4th, people launch an entire show of fireworks. I'm talking mortars. I mean, I mean, I'm big, big, huge fireworks. The ones that make the huge splash of, of color in the sky, but also the ones that make the huge booms in the sky. And so our house was rattling, literally rattling from the booms up until probably 1 a.m. Yeah. And so, I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. We just keep the windows shut, you know, throw on the, uh, the bedroom fan extra high so we can kind of drown out the noise. We give Eric a little bit of uh, melatonin, you know, let him sleep a little easier. And we were fine. But there are a lot of people in the neighborhood that are complaining on social media, like, oh, my gosh, you know, we need to call the police and blah, blah. It's like, they're not going to do anything about it. Like, it's just- So you said, you mentioned that people were complaining on Facebook. Our neighborhood Facebook group, because Caitlin's still on Facebook, have apparently had enough complaints that they've said, we're no longer allowing complaints on the Facebook page. <laughs> because it's 4th uh, of July. Let people deal with the fireworks. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's okay. To have let people celebrate well, I mean, for a day or two. First off, you're complaining on Facebook. Like, what is that going to get you, right? A couple, a couple internet points, you know. Like, I mean, you're not going to resolve anything by complaining on Facebook. I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, our neighborhood, they pretty much stopped complaining on it. Actually, there was somebody uh, a couple of days prior. Actually, it was one day prior. They posted a preemptive post about Fourth of July, saying, "Hey, welcome." all the new neighbors, you know, everybody welcome to the neighborhood. Want to let you know that this is going to happen, right? So just be aware that this is going to be the situation and there's nothing you can do about it. So just sit back and enjoy the show or uh I don't know, like take some melatonin and go to sleep because there's really nothing you can do about it. You can't even call the police about it anymore. Wow, that was what loud. The, what are the police going to do? Uh, nothing. They've, they, they get so many calls based on it. A funny story. This is a side side note today. I gotta, I gotta tell you this. This is so interesting. So I live in a neighborhood that is really close to a brewery, right? And next to the brewery is a community, uh, rental, uh, they call it the shed, but it's, it's, it's a, it's like a, a, a community space. Mm-hmm. It's got a, a great room. It's got a kitchen. It's got two bathrooms, you know, but it is secured with, locked doors, and an alarm system. Now, I'm fortunate enough to have the code to the door and the alarm system. So if I ever need to get in there, I can enter the property and disarm the alarm if I need to. So I'm sitting over at the, the, the brewery today enjoying a beer, and I see two Adams County Sheriff fly by right, right in front of it. They go around the backside, they get out of their cars, they start running towards the shed which is that community spot I told you about, right? It's not literally a shed. They call it the shed. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. All right, I get up on my seat. I walk over there and uh, I said, they, they, they saw me and they're like, hey, do you know what's going on over here? And I said, well, probably the wind blew open one of the doors or something because they got, well, we got an alarm code. Okay, well, yeah, most likely it's nothing. But they went and checked the door and one of the doors was unlocked. So they said, sir, can you just stand back, please? Stand behind this brick wall. We're going to clear the building. And she, there, there are two female officers, two female deputies. She literally pulled out her gun, opened the door, and started shouting. And, and again, you, you, she had to shout because the alarm is going off inside like, yeah. me, 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 you know? So she had to shout like, sheriff's department, 
you know, show yourself. If you're in here, you're under arrest. I mean, she had her gun out and everything. And I'm, I'm like, wow, this is interesting. This is, this is the best Monday I've had in a while. <laughs> so anyway, she, she clears the property. She comes back out and she's like, yeah, do you know the alarm code? And I'm like, yeah, actually I do. So she's like, can you go in and disarm it? So I walked in, it was loud. You know, the, the alarms going off. I had to type in the code, you know, I disarmed it. We tried to lock the door again, but we didn't have the right key. It's like, it's one of those hex keys that you, you know, those doors that you have the push bar on the door, you know, yeah. you push it and then it, then it unlocks and it opens up. Yep. It was one of those type of doors, but we didn't have the right hex key. She's, she's got a keychain full of hex keys, you know, being a deputy and all, but it didn't work. So we couldn't actually uh, lock the door, but uh, we ended up just like closing the door. I rearmed the alarm. And then uh, we just secured it with a uh, uh, a door. What, what was it? A table. We put a table in front of the door. So that was kind of interesting that we had to, you know, deal with that. But but uh, anyway, I, I I totally digress here. This is a tech show, not a camping and uh, what happened in Justin's life show. So uh, let's, let's let's move on to some tech, right? There was there's some good things that happened this week in tech. Um, I want to lead off with uh, uh, Jeff Bezos. He is out. He's out. He's done. The, the, the CEO and founder of Amazon is done. Now, As this of is, July 5th. Well, you know, it's interesting. July 5th, to the day we record this show, this is actually 27 years to the day that Jeff Bezos founded Amazon in his Seattle garage. So that's kind of fitting, right? I mean, like, I mean, it's not 30 years or whatever, you know, it's not like a round number, but 27 years to the day. He's handing over the reins to one Andy Jassy, who actually ran Amazon's cloud computing business. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I mean, look at AWS, right? AWS pretty much runs, what, 60, 70% of the internet? It's, yeah, it's impressive how in the internet's time it's amazon web services has gra grabbed so much cloud computing uh and just how much of the market they own in that because you know even still you have people maybe even a lot of our listeners you say yeah it's all stored on the cloud mm -hmm. and well the cloud I, is just somebody else's computer right but then you get those old people that look up and are yelling at the clouds like in the simpsons <laughs> Because they don't know what it is. Old right? man yells at cloud, give me my data. Yeah. So, but it's crazy how it was a, not necessarily a pipe dream to do computing over the internet, but at how fast we got to where we are and yeah. how much of our data is stored on Amazon's web service. Yeah. And even one small outage, like last year when the Eastern data center went off for a period of time. Yeah how many websites were out because all of their data is on yep. those, those web servers. It's just, a, it's a, it's an interesting trend in technology and it's interesting to see that 10 years ago, cloud really didn't exist. Yeah. What is the next 10 years hold? Uh, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting paradox because certain people want to move more into the cloud. They want to be able to get their data anywhere at any time but then you've also got a lot of people that they don't want the government or any company really uh, spying on their data. And that includes Amazon, uh, Google, Amazon, Apple, you know, all, this, all these companies, Facebook, you know, they, they spy on your data. 
You know, as a matter of fact, I mean, I've told this story time and time again, how I have an Amazon Alexa or an Amazon Echo, excuse me. Um, and this is before I got the Google Home. But I used to walk around one day and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to mess with the Amazon because they say they don't listen to your everyday conversations. The, the device only listens when you give the keyword Alexa. Then it turns on magically and it listens to your data. I said, no, there's no way. Th- this can't be right. So I said, I'm just going to walk around the house and mention high-priced things, Rolex, Bugatti, Ferrari, Lamborghini, constantly throughout the day. I would just say the words. And then miraculously, all of a sudden, I just started getting ads on Facebook for Bugattis and Lamborghinis and Rolexes. They don't listen to you? Yeah, right. Yeah, well, they say- And all of that data is getting stored in their cloud. And they say they don't listen, but then there are a number of court cases that have used- Unkeyworded yep. recordings yep. of murders. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, people are going to say, "Well, you shouldn't have murdered somebody." Well, well okay. Well, Amazon should be, said, not, that Amazon shouldn't, shouldn't be, be listening to me in the privacy of my own home. True. Regardless of what I'm doing, it's just it's it's wild. I, I like to think that I they're going to do it anyway. A, yeah, exactly. I like to think that I'm trying to get a grip on my data. But at what point? Yeah. At what point can I just say they have my data? I mean, you're, you're just is, getting this, sucked in. My phone is listening to me right now. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. So is mine. Zoom is probably listening to us right now. Probably, because we're using Zoom. Microsoft yeah. is probably listening to, to us when we record Skype. Sure. Right? Why it's, not? It's just. But, hey, everybody, just join the party, right? You know, it's but, it's one of those things where you just have to trust the company. And that's not, the big thing. You know, it's it's trust. I mean, come on. Okay, right there. You said it. Trust, right? How much do we trust companies with our data, right? I mean, there's always hacks. There's there's always things going on. And, And it's actually kind of interesting because that just kind of brings us to our next topic. You mentioned the the very, very popular audio recording software, Audacity. Right? Correct. So now, they, they just got bought. Yeah, Audacity. Audacity was, wasn't it a free, a, a free it, it's, audio? It still is free. It still is free. So Audacity is a free-to-use uh, audio editing program. You can get a microphone, get Audacity, and then just record your own podcast using Audacity for free. Yep. But they just got bought. So the headline of this article is popular audacity audio app dubbed spyware by users over policy changes from new owners. So a little background mm. on audacity. It was released in 2000. It served as a useful audio tool for both windows, Mac, and it's just worked. I use it all the time for stuff. Yeah. It's free and open source, which is huge in the community. Earlier this year, a group called Muse Group acquired the development project and would be continuing to be the main fork of Audacity. There hasn't been many changes except July 2nd. They added an Audacity privacy notice. And it includes new data collection provisions. Uh Uh-oh. The new owners 
break down the two main types of data they'll collect, including data for analytics and for legal enforcement. The analytics are limited to more specific information, including the OS version you're running, the CPU you're running, the user country based on your IP address, and uh, obviously error re- reporting for demo. Yeah, error. Okay, error reporting, sure, I get that. But the more the main issue most people have issues with, and I did too when I saw this on Reddit, was the vague and overreaching wording, especially within legal enforcement section, which says Uh data necessary for law enforcement, litigation, and authority requests, if any. Oh my gosh. Without any any limitation. That is that, that right there. That tells you that they can do whatever they want under the guise of law enforcement or legal terms. Yeah. They can basically do whatever they want. They can take every piece of your data. They can put down everything you're recording. They can upload it to their cloud and say, hmm, do we want to listen to this? Is this legal? Like, is this person recording something or dubbing something that isn't legal? They can do that under that one particular clause. And, and their legal grounds for processing this data is Legitimate interest of the WSM group to defend to defend its legal rights and interests. What is the WSM group? That's the that's, new that's owners. The, that's the Muse Group. That's the okay. that's just the the name of the company that owns the Muse Group. Yeah, I highly doubt that. What they're saying right there is, we're just gonna lay down and let law enforcement do whatever they want. So if they ever come in and say we want this user's data, they're gonna say come right in, take whatever you like because we don't want any problems. And one of the biggest user concerns is that WSM group, Russian owned. Oh no, oh no. All right, well, you know what? That is really interesting. And speaking of Russian owned, there was another massive ransomware attack that happened in the US and actually across the world, really, uh, this last week. Uh, a group of Russian speaking hackers have claimed responsibility for a massive ransomware attack over the holiday weekend that hit over 200 US firms and hundreds more worldwide, with the group demanding $70 million in Bitcoin to restore the company's data. So what they're saying here is, now this is not quite accurate. I mean, it's it's almost accurate, but it's not quite accurate. Each company has the ability to say, all right, we'll pay you the money that you request to let our company free. What this $70 million in Bitcoin is, what they're saying is, we'll give you, in essence, the antidote, right? Mm -hmm. So you think about it, they're poisoned, right? If you think about ransomware is being poisoned, there's no way of getting out of this. You're going to die, right? If you don't get the antidote, you're going to die. Here's the antidote for $70 million in Bitcoin. We'll give you the software that will unencrypt your drives, every single one of your companies, every single one of you, 70 million, done and done, we'll walk away. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's because you do this just like with with J, uh, JBS, uh, the, the meatpacking plant up in Colorado, just north of here. They hacked them like a month ago, right? JBS paid them the $10 million bounty. And what does that do? What does that tell hackers? 
it hey, incentivize them to hey, yeah. let's just keep hacking because we're keep making doing a, this. We're making a crap ton of money. Exactly. So again, now this Russia. Now, what's interesting if if you want to look at this from a political standpoint, just a few weeks ago, President Joe Biden met with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Putin, excuse me, Putin, Putin, whatever. I don't care. They said, "Hey guys, don't be attacking us anymore, right? If you do this, we're going to have a swift response." Now, say what you say about Joe Biden or whatever. Who knows what he actually, what, what he actually is going to do about it? But here's the thing: we just got attacked again, right? So now it's up to the president to decide what are we going to do about this? Are we going to put sanctions on Russia? Are we going to go to war with Russia? I mean, what's going to happen? Like they they keep doing this. Yeah, but this also wasn't just U.S. based companies, right? This it is, was. This it was wasn't. It was worldwide. Uh, mostly affected in Sweden where hundreds of supermarkets had to close because their cash registers were inoperative because all of this data was posted in the yep. cloud. Or yep. New Zealand, where schools and kindergartens were knocked offline because all this, this information was stored online. Again, so, again, in the cloud. That's the thing we were just talking about. Yeah. Like, how much do you trust companies with your data, right? Like, yeah. they're going to get hacked. It's <sighs> And it's interesting to think of it this way, too, because you could have the most secure server where nobody could get in but one person leaves their password written down on a notepad somewhere yep. or uses an email to forward a password to somebody in clear text or text a password, or it's physical security is part of internet security, which you, yeah. you think, you think the two are separate, right? You think that locking your doors at night would, would be, wouldn't be part of internet security, but it is. It, it really is. The, what, what is the old saying? The most secure server in the world is the one that's not connected to the internet. Correct. Right? I mean, but that's, the, that's true because it doesn't matter what type of firewall you have behind it. Your server is vulnerable. Period. Yeah. I mean, there are hackers out there. If they want it bad enough, they're going to get it. Now, what was the... Uh, the uh, you mentioned something about um, Western Digital. Right. Yeah. So Western Digital had a hack not that long ago. So Western Digital is known for hard drives and network connected hard drives. So they had a series of hard drives called the Western Digital MyBook, which all it had on the back was an Ethernet cable. You plug the Ethernet cable in, you connected it to your network, your router, uh -huh. and you were able to transfer data to it. Well, Western Digital, they stopped supporting it a couple of years ago, according to this article. Hackers were able to get in figure out a way to execute a code that started wiping these hard drives remotely worldwide. Oh my gosh. So if you had one of these MyBooks hooked up to your router that could see the outside internet, there is a chance that it could have been wiped. Now, <sighs> if you have one of these Western Digital MyBooks, unplug it from the internet immediately. Yeah, yeah you think? Yeah. Yes. Because it, Do that. You, you could go check your data and it's gone. Yeah. And that's, that's like some, some people, they buy these, they buy these things they buy these things and they're like, this is, they put all of their memories and all their precious moments and all their data. They put this on this my book or something similar thinking it's going to be safe. It's going to be safe. And they don't have it. They like all of a sudden now they're back to absolutely nothing. Yeah. So, could you imagine though? Like, Hey, I need to take these pictures from my 4th of July holiday and dump them onto my, my network 
And then you're like, hey, I have two terabytes free of my two terabyte high drive. What happened? Yep. Where is all and my data? Exactly. Gone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know, man. I mean, like we go more and more into the cloud and it seems more and more we're getting these attacks. And this is kind of the world we live in. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how we're going to be able to do this going forward. I mean, something's going to have to change. I don't know. Something, it, it, whether it's regulation or we start becoming more tech centric and yep. have more offline stuff than not, it is what it is. But it is what it is. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about uh, Windows 11, Hi. video games. And uh, I got a couple of new cool things. And Sean also has a brand new PC. This is Tech Talk Radio. Find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. This is Danny Trejo, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio. And you better keep listening or I'll come looking for you. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Sean DeWeer. I'm Justin Lemmy. Now, uh, last segment we were talking about uh, Western Digital, we're talking about ransomware, hacking, things like that. This segment, we're going to talk a little bit about what's coming in the future, and that is Windows 11. Windows 11, which I, don't I, know. I really thought they were going to call it WinOS. Ser well, okay, yeah, because it looks like Apple. It looks like Mac OS. Yes. Yeah, I thought I mean they were going to call it WinOS because a lot <sighs> of the stuff is the UI experience is going to be very similar. That that right there is my Mac first OS. problem. That's my first problem with, you know that I do not like Apple, right? Yeah. You know this, we, yeah. everybody knows this. I don't like Apple. Why are you doing this? Why are you trying to make things like Apple? You're not Apple. Rounded are edges. Giving, are you giving in to Apple? Like, are you saying, okay, we want to be more like you because you're successful? You know, no, why? Yeah, it's not like they have a whole phone ecosystem that worked out for them. Well, okay. First off, Android owns like 70% of the market share. Correct. Like worldwide. Okay, Apple's only 30%. Now, yes, in America, Apple's like 65% share. But but still, worldwide, Android is by far the best phone. Correct. Um, but yes, okay, so, okay. Other than just the fact that it looks like Mac OS, what is this whole thing about TPM, the trusted platform module chip? Uh, they've what the had, heck they've is that? Had, they've had that for, for a while, but it's they're trying to replace it. From what I read, they're trying to use it to replace, like, secure the smart card logins and the, some of the other types of things. Who uses smart card logins besides military? <laughs> No idea. <laughs> well, well, yeah, good question, Justin. <laughs> uh, no clue. But the, the issue with it is that older processors are not going to support TPM 2.0. Yeah, you need at least an eighth gen Intel. Or a Zen or 2. Equivalent. Yeah, or equivalent. Yeah. So like I'm sitting right now, I'm sitting on an Intel i7-8770, right? I'm barely at the minimum requirements for Windows 11. Right, but the thing is, it's like the CPU, so it boggles my mind that they're doing this TPM 2.0 because the requirements for Windows 11 are only one gigahertz. <sighs> like, yeah, I mean, it, that doesn't make any sense. It, yeah, so 
the clock speed unless, the unless, they're, unless to, they're talking about virtual machines i i, I don't know I, it's, it's i mean you could just split up your virtual machine you know if you're running esxi the the, the virtual machine host you could potentially uh, and that's with a question mark like potentially deploy a couple virtual machines each with one gigahertz of a of a of an i7 8770 processor um with a little bit of memory maybe that's what they're talking about like a minimum of one gigahertz i yeah, don't know it, it, yeah i'm not sure but it's like the ram requirement is up from two gig to four gig now if you're running windows 10 on two gigs you're not doing much <laughs> yeah so yeah, you can see running, that again. running something on four gigs you're still not doing that much maybe you could do uh a little bit but yeah it'll be interesting to see how it's like 2022 11... right when they come out 2022 uh late 2021 current okay. estimates are october to november of 2021 okay well i don't know we'll see i i, I have a feeling that windows 11 is going to be a dud because if you look at the whole process of like how we talked about this a couple weeks ago or whatever about how it was windows me sucked you know then we got windows uh xp and that was great and then we got Windows Vista, which sucked. And then we got Windows 7, which is great. And then we got Windows 8, that sucked. And then, well, Windows 8.1, but that doesn't really count. And then you got Windows 10, which was awesome. So what the logical thing is Windows 11 is going to suck, but we'll see. We'll see. But just if you want to check out what the uh, benchmarks are, you can go right to Microsoft's website. They actually have a tool you can run to see if your computer is eligible. It's not available yet. I went there yesterday. It was not available yet. They said it's coming soon. Oh, so, it does say coming soon at the bottom. It does. Use the yeah. PC Health Check app to see if your current PC meets the requirements. Coming, coming soon. soon. Yeah, <laughs> coming soon. So now I wanted to mention, uh, I got some new cool products. Yeah, you were telling me about that a little bit in the pre-show. Yeah. So, you're, the, you're the wise guy, right? You're the wise yeah. guy. And I, you know, I, I, I saw some on Prime Day. I saw some on Prime Day. I couldn't pass it up. I got two outdoor wise cams the, the the outdoor ones the rugged outdoor available now i'm putting them under a gable and an overhang so like they're not going to be directly exposed to the elements but i've got one pointing out my 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 front porch and i've got one on the back side of my house pointing into the alleyway where the garage is and i love them like i charged them up 100 battery they've been running for about two weeks now and they're still at like 85% battery, which is awesome. The one thing I, I noticed is I, I had to turn off the notifications because, you know, going into more of a public space, you know, like the alleyway, there's a lot of people that drive through the alleyway going to their homes. I was getting notifications left and right, and I had to turn it off. But I, what I, I will tell you that scheduling your notifications. So per camera, you can go in oh, and schedule, okay. you can go in and schedule when notifications will get sent. So like my outdoor, my camera that looks out my, uh, over my backyard, I don't, I only get notifications from midnight to 6am. But you're so, sleeping during that time. Right. But if I get a notification, it. My Are you phone, actually going to wake up and look at your phone? You never know. Okay. But maybe, but then I can see in the morning, if I wake up, it'll say you had a motion notification on this camera and I can go back yeah, and I can go back and view it or whatever. But you've, you've got more space. Like I, I honestly, I don't think that would for, for me living in a, a very urban area with a lot of traffic. I don't think that I would need to do that. However, I do want to see what happens outside. So 
you know, we got a lot of break-ins happening in the garages and also on the front porch, you know, people porch pirates and things like that. So what I did was I subscribed to the wise cam plus, which is, so, uh, which is realist. It's like just reasonably priced. I think it, it is. I think I paid $39 a year for two cameras. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. So the, 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 the out, I don't do any of my indoor cameras because I don't need them recording what I do inside my house, but outside the house, I've got both the garage cam and the front door cam on Wisecam Plus. So I can go back at any time. So in the future, you know, my neighbor says, oh, my car was broken into at two in the morning. Anybody got any security cam footage? I can look at my cam and say, yeah, actually I saw who did it. I probably can't make out their faces or any identifying marks, but I can say, yep, your car definitely got broken into. Here's the footage, you know, but, but anyway, but that's kind of the cool thing about that is being able to have that ability to uh, review your camera footage whenever you need to. And again, that's that's what the Wise Cam Plus version. So you need to subscribe to that. But the outdoor cams themselves, I got two of them with the base station for $75 on Prime yeah, Day. That's, that's a great deal. And you're not the only one that's told me they've done that. I've had several other of my friends who knew about my Wise Cam say, hey, I had the pan and tilt version that you recommended. I love it for checking out my cats. Yep. They bought the same thing, the two-pack bundle of the Wise Cams. So, yeah, um, but what I really like about it and what I use it for too, is the wise outdoor cam has a little unknown feature to most people travel mode. You mentioned that once before, So you could turn it on and hold the sync button down to enable travel mode, which will then allow you to treat it as an access point where you can connect to its Wi-Fi, and then in the app, see the wise cam. Nice. So I can mounted to my trailer and have nice. it set so it can see over my campsite while we're not there. Now it doesn't, it can't obviously trigger notifications on your phone, well, if but it will in, make recordings. If you're not there, like within the Wi-Fi distance, what good does it do? If you're out hiking a mile away, you can't connect to your wise cam to see what's Correct. at your campsite. Let's say somebody breaks in. Okay. They get into my camper. Okay. I can come in and then look at the wise cam on the app, see there was a motion recording. Download oh, so it, to it my stores, phone. it's stored. So it do you still have to the, have the SD card in it, right? Yes. You still, okay, you have to put yeah. an SD card into it, which okay, I've, okay. I've got a 64 gig SD card there and you can tailor it just like you would when you're connected to your base station to how long you want the recording to be. Yeah. How often you want it to record a cool down period, all that stuff. Yeah. So most of the time you just keep people walking by, walking their dogs or driving by in the middle of the night. But it's still cool to have and be able to say, yeah. if I leave my site unattended for a period of time, I've got it tucked up under my awning where it's not super easy to see, but somebody would see it. Um, but if somebody does do something near my campsite or gets into my truck or something, I would be able to then download it to my phone. Nice. And it and things like that. So very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, also uh, I want to mention too, you had a chance to try out a brand new game on the Nintendo switch uh, Andy had sent over a code for one of us to try it out, and you happened to grab the code before I did. So what is this game called? Yeah, so this game is called Fly Together. It's a game made by North Play Stud Entertainment Studio, Design Studios, North Play Design Studios. It is, it, they're, they're, basically they quote it as, challenge your inner air traffic controller. Ooh. Now, the main reason why I wanted to try this game is there was an iOS game back in 2013 uh, that I really enjoyed that was very similar to this, where you try, you 
drew little lines. And I think to, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Tried to land them on, you know, aircraft carriers and, mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff. And I really, really had a lot of fun with that. Just my love of aviation and I like playing flying games, things like that. So this game really kind of kicked that into high gear again. And I was able to take to the skies and fly the, and fly some planes. And what I like about it is they're real planes. Yeah. You get to fly Cessnas. You fly a little. Oh, but you yeah, get to, I'm looking at screenshots of it right now. You upgrade your airport and you spend money on, on other airplanes and things like that and upgrading your air traffic control tower and things like that. And I have not played the multiplayer version. And a lot of the reviews say it's more fun with more people. Okay. So how many people can you have per game? Eight. Oh my gosh. Eight people per game. So yeah. you've got eight air traffic controllers, all directing planes at the yeah, same time. Like I said, I haven't, I'd have to watch the multiplayer trailer, but it seems like each person would get their own plane to, to, to ferry around, but you still have to watch out for environmental things like tornadoes and thunderstorms and other planes. And oh my gosh. It's, it's really, really fun. And one of the takeaways that I had from it, zero microtransactions. Oh, in, in my interesting. In, in my experience with the game, and just playing through the single player campaign. Yeah. There well, was, Nintendo's really not known for having microtransactions. I know, but I just want to tell people that it's it's a pleasure to have a game where you earn in-game currency, and that's how you unlock things. And the progression was very nice and very smooth. I didn't feel like I was getting caught up in, oh, I have to beat every single level and get three stars to advance and things like that. So it was a very good single player experience. I'm excited to get some multiplayer into it. Um, and when I do that, I'll talk about it some more, but it's called fly together. It's available on iOS or I'm not, I, it's available on <laughs> Nintendo switch. switch. Yeah. The old the what version you play before was available on iOS. They yeah. are available. Most of their games are available for switch iOS, Android and desktop. So, I'll have nice. to look. This game may be it's $15, available right? $15, $15 on the yep. Switch store. Yep. Awesome. I also quickly want to mention, before we go to the break, I want to mention, I picked up Mario Golf, the new Mario Golf for the Switch. That is a ton of fun. It is not super technical, like uh, Tiger Woods PGA Tour or whatever, but if you're looking for a very fun experience by yourself or even with friends, I'd say go for the, the new Mario Golf uh on uh, the switch there you were about the fourth person to tell me that so i'm probably gonna get it after this show you need to you definitely need to and you need to send me your friend code so i can play with you all right we're gonna take ourselves a quick break when we come back we'll talk about uh sean's new pc and i also got an addition to my family this is tech talk radio find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash tech talkers we'll be right back and now back to tech talk radio Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Justin Lemmy. I'm Sean DeWeird. All right. So last time we talked about uh, a little bit about video games and Windows 11. Speaking of Windows 11, you just got a new computer. Is that right? I, so I, it's one of those things where I wasn't expecting to get a new computer or new parts or new pieces until a friend of mine says, hey, I'm going to sell you this motherboard. And I was like, what are you wait, talking about? Wait, wait. He's, he's going to sell you the motherboard. You, whether you like it or not, I'm going to sell you this motherboard. And he was right because I bought it. <laughs> but the reason he sold it to me was because he got a Newegg shuffle 
for a 3060. Ooh, wait. The NVIDIA RTX 3060 graphics card. Yes. Okay, all right. Newegg does these things called the Newegg Shuffle. Okay. Where you sign up and you say you want a 3060 or 3070 or whatever. Okay. And they pair it with another peripheral, motherboard, power supply, whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay. And you get put into a lottery. You get selected for the lottery and you get two hours to respond if you want the 3060 or not. Oh my gosh. So do they send you an email or do they send you they, a text? Yeah, message? they send they send you all sorts of, you can set or up for all sorts of you. You can sign up for any plethora of notifications. So okay. my but my buddy says, I got my 3060, but I had to buy a motherboard. I've got this uh, X, X570 Aurorus Elite Wi-Fi Gigabit motherboard. Wait, gigabyte. Gigabyte is the manufacturer, but Aurorus. Gigabyte. Okay, so I've never actually heard of that. So this is one of their top-of-the-line motherboards, which has PCI Express 4, two M2 slots. Two M2 slots. It nice. supports the AM4 socket. So then I had to think. So it's an AMD. It's an AMD. It's an AMD board. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. So then I had to think, do I have any AM4 socket processors in my stock? I don't. So then I had to go talk to Caitlin and say, can I buy a couple pieces for a new computer? (laughs) I already bought a motherboard. I I already bought the motherboard, but now I need more pieces. Babe, please. So, So it just happened to be Prime Day. Oh, interesting. So okay. I found it. I found an AMD Ryzen five. Okay. On Prime Day. Sure. For how much? But then I forgot to buy it. <sighs> Sean. So then, so then, so then, hold on. So then, Newegg had a post Prime Day sale. <laughs> of course they did. Which I got at AMD Ryzen seven. Ooh. Thirty seven hundred X, eight core, three point six gig processor. For how much? $220. Okay. Not Which, bad. If you're looking for a Ryzen 7 or a Ryzen 5 or an AM4 socket processor, they're really hard to find right now. Yeah. So I'm well, lucky I snagged one. Everything's hard to find. So then I thought, well, now, of course, I need a new solid state hard drive. Mm-hmm. So I got a Samsung N80 M2 uh, 2.2 gig clock speed, one terabyte solid state hard drive for it. For $120. Nice. So all in all, my computer upgrades, which I had talked about this on a previous episode, I was looking to spend yeah. around $600. Yeah, and you did PC. that. And that's right where I fell in. So wait, wait, so, hold on. Did you, I'm sorry, maybe I missed this, but did you mention how much you bought the motherboard for? 220. Okay. The motherboard is 220 and then the about processor. Two, about 220 for the processor. Okay. And then 145, I think for the, for the software drive. Or the sausage drive. So, so I'm really so right RAM, in there. The RAM works. The RAM you have now works in the new so motherboard. It the RAM I had, I had. Oh, you ra- had on RAM. Hand. I RAM I had on hand from a previous. Okay. Which was DDR4, uh, 1600 clock speed. Mm, I want to upgrade that soon. Get, okay. <laughs> right, right. Like, come on, bro. Come on. I mean, I, I could have spent a little bit more money, but I really tried to keep it under that $600, which yeah, I did. Yeah. I'm really excited yeah. about it. It's my boot time is 20 seconds. Nice. From boot to Netflix. Nice. So I'm really excited about it. It's a big upgrade for me. 
because I will share a picture of the motherboard that I had in there before, yeah, which was, that. which was an iBuyPower micro ATX board with one PCI Express 3.0 slot on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do that. And, and check out the pictures that Sean's going to post on techtalkradio.com. Now I also have something that I purchased uh, just today, actually, as of recording of this show. So uh, a lot of, you know, I'm in the it industry, right? I'm a network engineer. But the job that I do uh, traditionally is kind of fading away, right? It's it's going more towards automation, uh, being more of a well-rounded IT than just being a network engineer. So I needed something that I can kind of up my skills on a little bit, keep my skills sharp, if you will, right? I don't have the ability to do that with my current home setup. So what I did was I found a... NAS. Now, for those of you who don't know what NAS is, it's network attached storage. It's basically a large hard drive that sits on your network, but there's more to it than just that. It's not just storage. It's actually its own PC. I mean, literally has a motherboard, a processor, RAM, all that stuff. What I did was I bought the Synology brand. Synology I bought the uh, the DS920 Plus. It is a four-bay uh, NAS, so it can hold four hard drives. It comes with a, a Xeon processor capable of 2.7 gigahertz, which again, you know, by today's, you know, big PC standards is not a lot. But again, this is just a storage device. There's not going to be a lot of processor utilization on a storage device. It also comes with four gigabytes of built-in memory, expandable up to eight if you use the official Synology branded RAM. They only sell a four gigabyte or four gigabit, four gigabyte, excuse me. Yeah, I'm right the first time. Uh, expansion module, but it's Synology branded and it's 90 bucks. So they say the unit can only go up to eight gigabytes of RAM. However, I was watching a video on YouTube with a guy who bought a, a DS920 uh, Synology, same thing I'm, I'm going to get, um, but he actually tried to up it. So he bought a Crucial memory stick. Uh, Crucial is the manufacturer. I think he bought 16 gigabytes of RAM, one single SODIM stick for 16 gigabytes of RAM for like, I don't know, 70 bucks. It was cheaper than Synology, right? 70 bucks, popped it in there, boom. The unit recognized it and it runs off of 20 gigabytes of RAM at max. So what I did was I bought the unit itself, which is diskless, there's no disks inside. So I bought that plus the 16 gigabyte uh, upgrade memory module. I'm hoping it works, I, I think it will. And then I bought four two terabyte Seagate Ironwolf drives. Now. Iron Wolf is different. Okay, so Seagate, everybody knows Seagate is, is the manufacturer of hard drives, right? But the Seagate Iron Wolf is made for network-attached storage devices or RAIDs or whatever you want to build because those units typically are running 24-7. They're reading, writing, syncing, you know, creating parity, doing all these things that hard drives do, right? So they're constantly running. And Iron Wolf is made for that 24-7 on. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run four of the two terabyte 
uh, Seagate Iron Wolf drives in a RAID 5. Now, RAID stands for Redundant Array of Independent Disks. So it's basically, uh, it's a backup of a backup in a way, right? So I'm going to run a RAID 5 out of four disks, which means three of the disks are going to be my storage. One of the disks is going to be a parity drive, which is kind of, so basically what it means is like, I can lose one of the drives. Like if one of the drives fails, I can pop back in a brand new drive and using that parity drive, that spare fourth drive, it can rebuild all of the data that it missed off of that one single failure drive. Now, if I lose two drives, I'm screwed. I lose all my data, right? But if I lose one drive and I can replace it fast enough, which, you know, normally you don't, don't think of fast enough as, oh, I got 30 seconds to do this. You usually got days or weeks before you have to really worry about it. But anyway, I digress. You lose one drive, you can pop in another drive and not losing your data. So I'm going to be working off of four two terabyte drives, which by my math adds up to eight terabytes. But if you're in a RAID 5, you lose one of those drives. So I'm actually going to be working with six terabytes of space, which is massive compared to what I need. I don't need that much space, but I have it. So I can run my Plex server. And here's the part that I was talking about with my IT career. I can run ESXi, VMware. I can run VMware machines on the NAS. So I can deploy ESXi. I can pop up a Linux machine. I can pop up a Windows machine. I can play around with it. I can learn things. I can learn things like Kubernetes, Docker, Linux, you know, whatever it may be. I can learn all those things in the comfort of a virtual machine. So if I mess it up, I just delete the virtual machine and redeploy it. Boom, back to business. No big deal. So that was pretty cool. Synology is a great workstation. And I mentioned that I bought the Synology DS920 Plus. I bought four two terabyte Seagate Ironwolf drives and a 16 gigabyte uh, memory expansion module. The whole thing cost me $1,000. But again, I'm using it as a tool for, you know, making sure my IT career doesn't go out on the drain. Uh, I'm using it for backup of my, my precious moments, things like that. So that was, that was the cool thing that I got was the Synology. Yeah, that's cool. I, I only want to mention just really quick that uh, with my Plex server, I, I do have a JBOD, which is, uh, stands for just a bunch of disks, which <laughs> I currently nice. have four of those Iron Wolf two terabytes in there. Now, I don't have a RAID controller card that can handle all of those SATA drives yet, but I'm working on it. I'm trying to find one that's compatible. So I will be at eight terabytes in RAID zero, you know, yada, yada. So uh, I'm excited for nice. you. I, it's, it's nice to have that extra space. Uh, I use most of my space for Plex. Nice. We've got to take a quick break. So send us a tweet at Tech Talk Radio on Twitter. We'll be back. And now back to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Justin Lemmy. I'm Sean DeWeird. This whole episode, we've talked about ransomware security. and hacks and security. Yep. And our listeners probably want to know how can they help protect their passwords and how can they be secure? We've talked about it before on the show, and we're going to talk about it again because it's what we both of us use. And I love it. I used it personally, and I use it with the university. It's called 1Password, the number one password. 
It is a password manager. Yes. It is awesome. People were using the other one uh, a while back. Um, I'm, I even forget what the name is now all of a sudden. Uh, anyway, there was another one. There was another password manager that everybody was using, but then they started to start charging for it. Yeah, Andy, Andy had it. And he started yeah. complaining because they started charging me for it. One password, you pay a flat fee for a personal use or you pay an enterprise level purchase for the number of users you want. Yeah. Uh, and it's reasonable. It actually is reasonable. But see, the thing is, is the other password manager was free altogether. But then they just started to charge for it. But people were mad because you're like, wait, hold up. You, you let us have this all for free for so long. And now all of a sudden you're going to start charging us for it. That's why people decided to leave that other password manager. I was one of those people. I went to one password. Again, it's the number one password.com. It's, it's great. You can try it for free. And if you like it, you can pay the, the, the one time or is it one time or is it per year? I forget. I think there are def definitely different solutions. I don't remember exactly. Different solutions. I can't remember exactly. Uh, let's see. Pricing right here. Uh, okay. Yeah. So personal and family. Okay. Yeah. 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 So personal it's $2.99 a month billed annually or families is basically for you and all of your family members, $4.99 a month for free or I'm sorry for, for free for 14 days, but then $4.99 a month billed annually. So it's, I mean, you got to pay them for what they do. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't have a problem with doing that if I just knew that outright. But onepassword.com is our website of the week. Check it out if you have a chance. And uh, I think it's a great thing. So and before we go, any final notes, Sean? I'm just going to say, I'm telling you, one password is the way to go. It's just so great to use at an enterprise level because it prevents sharing of passwords on an unsecured network via email or text message. So if you forget a password to a server, you don't have to email or text. You just say, oh, I'll just jump on my one password. And it's there. You got to use it, log in using yep. your master password. It's yep. super secure. And you know, get out of the habit of writing down your passwords in a, in a notebook. Absolutely. All right, guys, that is it for this week's episode of Tech Talk Radio. I hope you had a great time. Thank you for hanging out with Sean and I. Sean, have yourself a great week, man. You too, Justin. We'll talk All next right. week. All right, guys, and you as well at home. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Have a great one.